0: Welcome to episode three of Australian Design Radio, set up to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy, and with me is Mr. Matt Leach. Say hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. Okay, third show guys. We're getting a little better at this and definitely having fun. So far, there are two episodes available. The first with Frankie Ratford of The Design Kids, and the second with Chris Doyle of Christopher Doyle & Co. And the luck keeps rolling, so we've got a special great guest with us tonight and lots to talk about. So let's get stuck into it. Our special great guest. <coughs> wow, that's like a real emphasis.
1: I could have kept going. You could have kept going. Is Kevin Finn. We're very lucky to have Kevin. Hello Kevin. Hello. So, Kevin, if um, anyone who doesn't know, he obviously runs The Sum Of and also Design Nerd. Kevin, what we normally do is we ask you to sort of tell us what you do. Sure. Um, You you can take that however you want to take it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do professional podcasts. I I would refer to myself as a designer, communications designer, and I probably mostly specialize in Identity, brand identity design, but also do writing, publishing, and um, various other sorts of things. But yeah, that'll be my main area. Brilliant.
1: Now, you might have heard on our last
2: um, podcast with Christopher Doyle, uh, he
1: left a question for you. So the question he left you to put you on the spot Mm -hmm. is Do you prefer working for yourself? And I'll just also add, he probably thinks you're going to say yes. <laughs> and and if you do, then he'd like to know why.
2: Well, um, Well, I guess one way to, to yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I guess one way to, to put context around this is that for 12 years, I've worked for other people, and for the last eight years, I've worked for myself, so there's a good balance on both experiences. I think the the answer would be yes, I prefer working for myself, but there's a caveat on that because it's it's actually a lot harder working for yourself because when you run your own business, you're not just showing up to work every day designing. You're you're doing admin, you're doing new business, you're doing account management, you're doing strategy, you're doing design, you're doing research. You know, it's it's everything you're doing your tax returns, it's the whole thing. But the upshot is that I can pretty much take the business where I want where I want it to go. Uh, when you're working for somebody else, and I mean this with the greatest respect, they sort of own you. you. You show up. You do what you're required to do. If they're Depending on the company, if you're working with a client that you either disagree with or don't like or have a falling out with, you can't really go on and end that relationship because the company says, I don't care, just do the, jo- do the job. Yeah. It's they're they're paying for your salary they're paying for our overheads and we like them I don't care if you don't like them some companies will listen to you and go oh okay you're having a, a difficulty with that client we should explore this and, and maybe we should maybe resign that client but when you're working for yourself you, you're in the position to um, make those decisions really quickly uh, and you can actually make those decisions before you even engage a client so I tend to find the right fit for my clients to make sure that philosophically, ethically, creatively, we're all sort of on the same page before we start? Yeah, I guess
1: I mean if we look at your client list, it's um it's a pretty pretty amazing client list. I mean I think of well, De Bono Institute. Is it DeBono Institute or Debono Global. Global, yeah. Right. I mean that's that's an amazing client and how did, how did you end up working with them?
2: that's interesting because um, I had uh, from one of my personal initiatives Open Manifesto, which is a design publication uh, in that publication I, I explore the relationship design has with social political, cultural, economic issues and I wanted to expand who was in that, not go to the usual design um, people and in issue two I um, I was incredibly fortunate to get Edward to, to, to write a piece for me on that, so I, I made contact with Edward in 2005 I think how, do, how did you do that you just sent him an email or uh, yeah I, I found out who his sort of contact was in Australia and sent them an email and uh, I since became quite friendly with, with that person they who's hilarious they said um, okay what, do you, what are you going to be doing I was at Satchis at the time Satchi Design so what are you going to be doing tomorrow at 12 o'clock and I said <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be at the desk great well, I'll give you a call tomorrow okay at my desk at Sachi's at 12 o'clock bing phone rings and this individual calls me up at uh, Julia her name is um, and says hi Kevin this is Julia So we're going to give you a call today yeah cool so um, can you talk for a few minutes yeah sure okay here's Edward <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and he goes hi uh, wh- what are we um, What are we talking about wh- what would you like to do and I on the spot had to say oh, this is what we're doing oh my god and he said yeah okay that sounds good uh, it helped that he he was friendly with Bob Isherwood who's the worldwide creative director of Saatchi and Saatchi and I think Saatchi's gave me a bit of um, credibility. Um, um, So that was my first interaction with Edward and then um, on and off had been in touch with him and and, um, through various things and then I, I had a client come to me and ask me to do a project and I thought wow it'd be great if we can get a number of people from around the world to actually contribute to this project um, to develop content and we'll put her into a book and that's what the project will be so I was steering what the project was going to be and they said yeah great <clears throat> so I started that and I, I contacted um Global and said would Edward be interested in writing a foreword for this project and she said yeah I'll, I'll ask him it sounds good and then the client sort of did a backflip on me this, they, they kind of said, yeah, we like this idea. We'll use like quotes of what these people say and then we'll put the rest of the content on a blog on a website. And I said, no, Ooh, I'm not going to do that. And yeah. this, this was, in, back, this was this when, is, in 2003? three two thousand. No, this is in 2012, 2011. Wow, okay.
1: Blogs, blogs had kind of dried up by then,
2: hadn't they? Yeah, like, well, I was kind of thinking, why would why we hide this content on a website when you're actually going yeah. out to the market with this piece of work? So... Yeah. And this goes back to the question that Chris praised because I, I then made the decision there and then I'm going to withdraw from this project because it's it's going down an avenue that isn't really where I want it to go. And I don't want to be – I don't want to put my name to this. And I'm certainly not going to get people within my network to to, um, to put their names to it, including Edward. So I, I pulled out. And um, I wrote back to a number of people, one of whom was Sir Terence Conran, um, to apologize. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is this is the level of Ed, Edward Dubono and Sir Terence Conran, and I had to sort of apologise that this wasn't going to happen. And when I went to uh, Dubono Global and the CEO Amanda Mobs, she was lovely and she said, "Oh, look, that's not a problem. You know, he 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 was considering it. It could have happened, but don't worry about it." And by the way, um, do you do you know anyone who does? Branding, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I honestly, I was like, it was on an email. I I just did a heart stop, and I went, oh my god! Oh, I know a shit. guy.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, am I going to be too sort of arrogant to put my hand up? And I said, no, I'm I'm just going to put my hand up and say, look, I I do it. I know this is Edward. I get that, and I'm happy for you to go anywhere else, and I'll recommend anywhere else. But let me just show you what I do. And um I was going to Sydney. And, and that's where Amanda is based. And we met up and I showed her some of my work. And we had a lovely conversation. And I came back to Brisbane. And then Amanda called me, I think, or emailed me and said, uh, Look, it was great to meet you. I've got, I've got a list of the people who I'd like to maybe talk to about this seriously. Uh, there's one name on it and it's yours. Oh, and I, oh wow. My God, wow. So <laughs> We we hit it off, and that comes back to the relationship, the fit. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was really a meeting of minds and and a meeting of philosophical approach to things, Uh, and knowing where I was coming from to want to invest in this project, as opposed to it's a job, it's high profile. What can I get out of it? I, I really went at this saying, this is incredible. How how can I bring as much as I can to this project? That started a you know a two and a half year professional relationship. That was that was an, um, a challenging project because the audience that we're trying to reach is between age four and 94 yeah it's kind of so, everyone he's
1: I mean he does books all about yeah right right on every level doesn't he
2: yeah everything from what people are familiar with with six thinking hats and lateral thinking parallel thinking right through to um, the um, case of the disappearing elephant and the dog exercising machine which are based on <laughs> for the their Keeps. Personal favourite of mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then in between you get these kind of abstract titles called a textbook of, a textbook of wisdom so or, or water logic. So th- what we had to do was create a visual language that would cover all these 56 book titles and appeal to that wide age group and make sure that it was going to work in a template that would be translatable into other languages and had to make sure that they all had their own individual look, but came from the same stable. Mm. So, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: And if if people haven't haven't seen it, where is it located on the web? It was dot yep. um, com. Yep. Okay. Cool. And um and
2: we we'll were talking about the logo. The yeah,
0: we'll put that in the show notes so people can find it. Um, and just wanted to um, hear a little bit more about about the kind of the logo, which I think is really beautiful.
2: Yeah, well, the logo, again, we had to make sure that it was going to be pretty practical. It, it had to work on, on the side of a book cover, a mm-hmm. spine, sorry, a book spine, so it really had to work small. Um, it also had to work on a level that um, was a little bit fun, and Edward is a, a big proponent of fun and humor. Um, so the idea really came from, we had to get the, the positioning right first, and that's how I work get what are you saying before you visualize that? So we to clearly articulate what we were saying. And we settled on um, think results because we wanted to look at Edward's thinking as an application, how it's applied thinking. And then the logo came from um, one dot, a line, vertical line, and then two dots stacked. So it was literally think, one dot, results, two dots before one dot after two dots so it was a very simple kind of mm. visual but at the same time it worked as a lowercase D and an uppercase B in and geometric shape so it, it again it was probably, was, there, was that a happy accident or uh, not really it was it was really a case of um, in hindsight obviously that's what you do but at the time it was really Looking at the the shapes of the letters, but also looking at what we were trying to say. How can you visually say uh, before, after, or think results? Um, and I can't, I can't actually imagine Kevin having a happy happy accident. <laughs> well, well, no, I don't know. It's, uh, I, it it was um, it was fortuitous is probably a better way to say it. it. That was that was a nice way to to do it. And actually, it, it comes from. How I, how I work I, I look for the I look at the information and I listen to what my clients tell me just to see what's most appropriate and Amanda was always saying when we write the bono it has to be a lowercase d and an uppercase b so that was something that was constant early on um, so I wasn't going to go oh look this is a good logo we'll have an uppercase d and an uppercase b because that is nice mm, yeah <laughs> it was like, no we have to that's how it is written and that's a, a, a restriction that we have to work with and then out of these restrictions, you find places to play, and um, mm. it was fortuitous that it all all came together, um, and uh, again, has to work on all the other levels we talked about, being fun, being a bit abstract, being practical on the side of a book, um, all, all those sorts of things had to come into play, and uh, yeah, it was incredibly challenging, but very humbling.
0: And um, Kevin, did, did Amanda explain why it needed to be a lower case? It's a surname.
2: So it's, that's how the surname... Just, just
0: the way it's written? Yeah, yeah right.
2: It's mm-hmm. So when, when it's referred to as that, it's just because that's the surname mm. and, and because Debono Bono Global was always described at lowercase d, uppercase b, uppercase g, right. db. <clears throat> but we then just moved it to De Bono because it's about Edward's legacy. It's, it's his work, not mm. him. Mm. So yeah, it was um, challenging. Mm. So, so what are you working on now? Ooh, yeah, a few client projects, which are really interesting, but the main thing uh, which is really absorbing my time is um, this event that we're doing with um, G Lee, who's yes. coming out from New York. Um, That's well, really exciting.
1: We've got our tickets already.
2: Yeah, it'll be really cool. I've seen G speak in at Offset, a conference in Dublin, and uh, it was incredible. I've seen him speak through video um, in other conferences he's done, and I've interviewed him for Manifesto, um, so all that led up to me saying, "Have you been here before? Maybe you'd like to come out." And he's super keen. He's never been here before. But what's exciting about G is he, although he's the lead creative at Facebook, his his whole focus for this trip and most of his talks are around the transformative power of personal projects. And yeah. i I know so many creative people who've got side projects. Yep. yep. But what G's you're been, on one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, and and you know we we have these things where we, we our passion is spilled into these projects. But what we look with with G is he he's been able to use these projects to really become catalysts for his incredible career through design, through top advertising agencies, through creative director of Google Creative Labs, through to creative lead at Facebook, mm. and it's all been a result of his. Personal projects. Well, so that's uh, in, that's interesting, Kevin,
0: isn't it? Because I, I wouldn't have known G Lee at all if it wasn't for his yeah. side projects. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't see. I mean, Facebook. You know, it, design is for the masses, so it's yep. you know it changes constantly. It's quite famous for reinventing itself and moving things around, even if kind of yep. it annoys users, and, <laughs> yep. which is, which is fine because that's what it does. That's that's okay. Yep. That's Facebook, and they yep. kind of own that that space. Yep. You know, Twitter hasn't changed in five years, and I love yeah. that too. Um, yep. So it's interesting um, that, you know, I know him because of his side projects and I would otherwise
1: probably yeah, never I think yeah. it was the one that really caught my attention was, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, it was the Word Balloon. The Chat the and bubble Bubbles? Project. Yeah, the Bubble Project. The bubble project. Yeah. And that that was amazing. And hopefully, I'd, I'd love to ask him, or hopefully he may talk about it because I know he did that in, in New York. Yep. But then it spread really, really yep. quickly, um, almost overnight to London, yep. Sydney, um, uh, it was seen everywhere. Was, was that him pushing that, or was that almost unorganic? No. It, uh,
2: it sort of exploded pretty quickly as a result of a small post on um, boingboing.net, the, yeah. the blog at the time. That's, that's where I saw it. Hmm. Yeah, and um, it went from something very small to massive awareness. And then as a result of that, and the way, the way G works on a lot of his projects, he, he likes them to be participatory. So he, he wants to get movements within other people to, to be involved and take it to other places. Not you know, physically, but just generally where, where the project might evolve. And he then, um, on his website, I think, said, download the um, template and do it yourselves wherever you live. And oh, wow. then I moved to all these other cities around the world where people just ran with it. Um, yeah. So it wasn't him orchestrating it. It wasn't him saying, you know, like a Banksy, I'm going to show up in, you know, I- Yeah, yeah. 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 Sort of just do something, and all of a sudden, oh my God, G's been here. There's a bubble. On it. <laughs> yeah. it, has, it wasn't that. It just it happened that people really connected with the way they can create a public dialogue around advertising in such a simple way that allows anybody to engage with it.
1: Yeah, and that, that's the beauty of it. I was I was in Bristol just over Christmas and I literally it's still you can still see them on the streets there. Oh wow. And um and that's you know, that's just I mean how many years ago was it? It was
2: ten. Ten yep. years ago, wow.
1: Yep. And it's still still being used as a kind of way to Yeah. Almost add bust, I guess.
2: Yeah, and it comes from a simple idea and a passion that he had and, and he did it not because of what happen in the end he did it because it was a reaction to where he was at the time and in his life in his career and he needed to do it as a personal project to um, shake off the shackles of working in in the advertising world at the time so it it was never really set up to say oh if i do this i'm gonna get attention if i do this it's gonna create some something that i want he did it purely out of personal expression and that's what you will find with g's work much of what he does is so connected to his personal philosophy and his personal desire to put ideas into the world. And the way he does it, it leaves the door open for other people to get involved. Yeah, um, that's really lovely and he will talk about the bubble project I'm sure oh, uh, and good. if he doesn't I'll talk about it in the, in the interview <laughs> yeah great yeah. Also, i mean, also, Matt in the audience yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. the folks from ADR would love to know yeah. yes
2: I'm yes. <laughs> um, doing tomorrow night can you go on ADR yeah, exactly yes. yeah. oh yeah hey,
0: please yeah. that's a good idea yeah,
1: yeah, okay. um, needing to do it like I'm just I want to pull up on something you just said like this yep. idea of a passion project and needing to do it I mean if anyone, you've got lots of passion projects yourself that you've you've managed to get off the ground and run. Like you talked about Open Manifesto before, but Design Nerd in, in itself is a bit of a passion project, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to my my wife about this last night, and I think I've made a distinction between Open Manifesto, which really was a, a, a personal project, a, a personal need to explore the field that we're in, and also to, I guess, supplement my desire for knowledge that I wasn't getting in day-to-day practice. So that was a, a personal investment in my knowledge. Um, and one of my personal philosophies is there's wisdom and learning. And that's a real, I guess, um, uh, manifestation of that. With Design Nerd, having done Open Manifesto for so long, I thought, I really want to look at Design Nerd more as a business initiative. And again, it comes back to Chris's question, working for myself i could make that call and say okay it's a risk but let's see what would happen if we created a product yeah and, and let's see what will happen if we created s- sort of a platform around that and could could that be a business model so it it is a probably a personal passion but it's more of a business initiative right mm-hmm. um, hasn't yet become um <laughs> financially viable, but that's okay uh, for the moment. It's
0: not paying for your boat yet?
2: <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> no, okay. But so, um, but the, the reason, again, is that pretty much like G, Open Manifesto was born out of my need to do something uh, as a response to where I was at in my career, and Design came from a response to what I felt I might be able to contribute back into education, uh, whereas Open Manifesto is about knowledge and exploration and, and learning and, and stuff and there is an educational aspect to it. It's more about knowledge, I guess. Mm. And with Design Nerd, I thought, well, maybe we can go there and, and create a much wider education Focus. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and let's um let's let's talk about exactly for those who may not know, they should do by now. But you know, um, many people may not know. Take us through how Design Nerd is is doing that because there's a physical version of Design Nerd yep. and there's also um, this app. So yeah, but it's also bigger than that as well, isn't it? It's almost like a um, it's it's now become almost a
2: business in itself as well, hasn't it? I'm hoping so. Well, the the. I've got the blueprint for that to happen and it's going to take a, a lot of a lot more time and investment and promotion to so get it to work tomorrow or something <laughs> we'll see uh, but I, I do I do see it as a a real focus to become self-sustainable um, and then that could well replace some of the clients that I work with as, as a, a sort of a revenue stream but the reason why is that my passion really is to get as much knowledge and help and tools for the creative people in our community to be able to reach their goals, or to get ed- education in a, in a different format that will supplement their traditional education, or to really celebrate the design enthusiasts—that's where Design Nerd comes from. Um, and to answer your question quickly, Flynn, Design Nerd started as a printed tin or printed cards. There was a, a trivia game called 100 Plus, and it's around um, graphic design trivia. Pretty sort of simple idea. But I thought it'd be more interesting if we got some of the most respected designers in the world to give us their questions. And I created a signature volume format for certain um, designers, one of which is Stefan Sagmeister, and one of which is um, Stephen Heller with Lead to so I was incredibly honoured and humbled that, that they came on board with that project. And it turned out that the <clears throat> because of the print format, the game is more for the advanced player, I guess, and you sit with a group they of people. They are challenging questions. They're challenging questions. <laughs> because the format, the format hasn't been set up with multiple choice or hints or anything, so it is sort of question-answer. But on, in response to that, I thought, well, if we then create a sort of an entry-level... Um, app version, which has uh, multiple choice, has hints, and also a did you know fact, so that the edge case inside of it is really increased. You can switch that on and off, but the edge case inside of it is increased. And um, then that led to there's three other volumes that are are, um, are in the works at the moment. One with, uh, so there's more coming? Yeah, there's one with Vince Frost. There's oh! There's one with Debbie Millman in New York, and there's one with a gentleman by the name of Lucas Lopez in Argentina who's doing one on South American design, and that'll be in English and Spanish. Oh, wow. Um, I probably won't be very good at that one. No, I know. I'm see, not I know. very good at
0: all of them, actually. And I think if, you, if you're <laughs> going to change culture on me as well, Kevin, I'm going to have to do my homework.
2: But the thing is, it, this, what, what, what the game is about is not necessarily being getting high scores. It's about learning about stuff. And the, and the more you play it, uh, the more you're learning and, and the more you're, you're, you know, you're competing with yourself because you've mm. oh, got a better score. But for me, I don't know, as you pointed out, Flynn, I don't know a lot about Argent- Argentinian design. But well, I'd like to. Absolutely. I just, I just yeah. don't yeah. know where to go and get it. So, what we're hoping that these volumes will do is to be a kind of a, a prompt for people to go to other areas in the world and say, wow, that's that's what they're interested in. Let me explore that a bit more. Yeah. Because um, I,
1: I guess we don't even question that um, Stefan Sagmeister is doing one or Stephen Heller is doing one. and
0: But that's yep. going to a completely different part of the world. Yeah. Yep. Why, yep. why not Argentina? Is that is that something as well? You're thinking about um, reaching out to some other cultures?
2: Yeah, we were talking to somebody about doing a Middle Eastern, Eastern one as well. Uh, yeah, fascinating. Oh. Yeah, that would be that'll be incredible because the person I'm speaking to you about is is really inspiring and amazing. So, yeah, and and it's, you know, the other reason to do the app is to get it immediate in someone's pocket. Um, it also reduces the cost vastly, reduces mm. the cost. Yeah. And then the tins become a limited edition. And in fact, we won't be doing tins again. So it's just going to be a limited edition. And that's it. Finished. Got, got oh, my good copies. Good, because I got my three copies. So. <laughs> <Yeah>, they're collectibles <laughs> now. I think it might get them to um, sign they it. They are. So, yeah. Yeah. But then out of that, I thought, well, now let's let's see. Because we've got these amazing people that are engaging with Design Nerd. And we've also got these incredible people engaging with Open Manifesto. Maybe we'll just make that live event. And I've interviewed G for the upcoming issue of Open Manifesto 7 which also uh, includes Edward de Bono. So this and, is how it um, all comes together. Yeah, yeah. So you can see that these, whatever you want to call them, personal or you know, project initiatives or personal projects or business initiatives, they're all now coming full circle. And I'm trying to leverage all of them off each other to provide what I hope is really value to the community that I'm part of. Um, after 20 years of a practitioner, I'm really now f- very much excited about trying to pass as much as I know on to people or use the networks and, and the people that I have to pass something on to to our community and that's all kind of come into the education side of it too so it's something that I'm I'm really super super passionate about at the moment so
1: so just to jump back a little bit to open manifesto so you gave the hint that maybe it's not it's not over is it it's
2: no, not at all, We we have um, the business model is going to have to change on that because um, it's too slow at the moment, I run my own practice, uh, I'm doing design nerd now as well, I run a studio myself and I've got an assistant two days a week, so the volume of, of work that goes out of the studio is, is probably um, past my capacity. <laughs> so I want to ensure that what we're doing with Open Manifesto gets content to people quicker uh, so the first move is that we're going to do ebooks to start with and then probably print on demand to reduce costs and to reduce um, wait times and, and all that kind of stuff and storage and stock. The second thing that I'm looking at doing is for the the upcoming issue issue 7 is pretty much locked away we're, we're hoping to launch that in a couple of weeks but the issue coming out for that we're thinking we're going to once we've got an interview done we put it on the website and maybe for a month and then we put it into a sort of a, a storage place where once we've got everything done we create a, an issue out of it but we're going to get content up on the website as soon as we do it. So, because, so it's almost
1: like an annual I guess?
2: Yeah it's going to be, uh, the way I look at it is probably we we put the contributions of the chapters on, on the site as we do them and then once we've got an issue sort of curated and done which could take up to a year usually takes about a year 18 months then that gets locked off as an issue and then we produce it as an ebook or on a print on demand and then we move into the next issue but we're getting content out more timely than Mm -hmm. I can because I've been restricted by having to create a it's my own restriction create content create an issue wait till everything's done and then publish it, and that could be a year, year and a half. Yeah. Um, issue seven took longer because of personal reasons, and uh, that that was just, I, I didn't have any space to, to do it for about a year. Um, yes, yeah, so I was delayed quite a bit, and I don't want to be doing that to the contributors, and I don't want to be doing that to the readers, so I, I've relooked really mm-hmm.
0: looked at that. I think um, Matt might be thinking the same thing as me. But we're wondering, um do you consider something like a crowdfunding platform, like Kickstarter or Possible or something like that?
2: Yeah, I, I, I thought about that as well. Um, but you'd kind of have to keep going to the community every issue and the people might get a bit tired of that. Mm. And also because an issue evolves as as we do it. <clears throat> the way it works is I set a theme and the theme for the next issue is um, enlightened self-interest. So <clears throat> enlightened I'll set a Enlightened
1: self-interest. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that more in a second, but keep, keep going.
2: <laughs> um, so I I set a theme, and then I just carry on with the research that I do and places I look and books I read and things I come across. go, oh, this is really interesting. That's going to fit really well with that theme. I'll research as much as I can about that person and then contact them and see if they'll do an interview or write something. And some people say yes, some people say no. And if we crowdfund that, it's like we might be doing – here's a theme we'll be doing about 10 or 12 people we're not quite sure who they're going to be they mm. could be someone big or not yeah, yeah uh, it's a challenge yeah some money um, so that's that's something that I had thought about but if you doing I will give you
1: money Kevin if you, if you ever do
2: <laughs> thank you um, <laughs> five dollars
1: or maybe yeah, maybe six I,
2: again, and again with with, with Kickstarter you got to say well what are the benefits of, of certain tiered costings and stuff and I think Kickstarter is amazing for a lot of projects, but probably isn't um, so appropriate for. A, yeah, because you know, that's journey. that's so true. Because
1: it's 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 that's the whole. You have to keep on getting those different tiers, and yeah, yep. that's almost as much work as yeah, if not yeah. more than the actual project. So
2: and you can do it as a one-off, great. You can put a lot of time and effort and thought into it, but. If you do a, another issue, you're going to be offering the same kind of benefits, and after the third or fourth one, people are going to go, "Oh, okay, it's, I'm just tired of it now." Yeah.
1: Uh, I've got, so I I think, I've got enough T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> with exactly. Kevin, with Kevin's face
0: on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They've got to be flippers, and they're called fins.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go. This is Australia. Uh, but look, it, it, it is something I thought about, but I, I'm not going not going to go there. I don't think. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I've backed a couple of projects that have never come to fruition as well, which is a really interesting problem that I'm seeing happen a lot more. Some yeah, books true. and documentaries that remain remain nameless yeah. for yeah. the show. But three, four years. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. I I think the way the Kickstarter really works is that when you engage in the community they that are supporting you. So it's a lot of work to particularly with with uh, an issue about Manifesto where it does take so long and there is no real structured timing around it because it's who I find Um, and um, it could be months before you hear anything back and I'm like you Flynn I've backed stuff that I don't even know if it got produced you know it's like and then when it does get produced I forgot about that it was like two years ago (laughs) and and I'm guilty of that with Open Manifesto so I know what that's like and it pains me to to be in the same position that I'm just delaying things Mm. but uh, I've made a conscious effort now to to shift that model so
1: great so tell us more about the theme
2: yeah, the theme, enlightened self-interest, that came from an interview I did with Wally Ollins in Kuala Lumpur in 2010, 2008, for issue five, which is around identity. And um, he talked about corporations have self-interest and people have self-interest, but the notion of an enlightened self-interest is somebody who's doing something for themselves where lots of other people benefit from. So, hmm. G would be a good example um, where he's doing the bubble project for himself because he needs to do it, but then a, a whole movement of people benefit from that because they're able to engage in it. So, it's kind of there's, – there's an enlightened um, byproduct. Hmm. Of That's nice.
0: That's really nice.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and a really nice way of, of looking at that is that um, if you see – some people I mean, you guys doing Edior. you you're, you're doing this because there's a passion that you want to do and you want to talk to various people and you want to contribute back to the community but you're not doing it just for you you're doing it for other people to benefit from And I'm, do, I'm that, doing it for Flynn actually I'm doing, doing it for Matt Flynn. which is <laughs> odd yeah which is great because you're doing it for other people even if it's just one I, think <laughs> I doing it for each other but that's okay <laughs> but, and, and, that's like, and, and I interviewed um an amazing guy called Adam Grant, who's a, a, a Wharton professor, a professor at the um, Wharton Business School, and the book's called Give and Take. And he he's got a uh, an, a really it's a book is incredible about how there are givers in the world who just constantly give, uh, and then there's people in the world who are takers and just constantly take for themselves. Mm. But when you look at givers who are what he calls doormats, who just get walked over and you know there's plenty of them around I, I've been that myself where people abuse kindness and abuse what you're doing but then there's givers who 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 are doing something for other people and they're going to get something from it as well some way mm-hmm. along the way and um, so I explore these themes to see who at the center of the theme or on the fringes of the theme can explore this theme as widely as possible and i always try and bring it back to creativity or design or in some way or or shape a connection to communications or design Um, and another example is is there's a guy that i've interviewed dan everett who's a a linguist american linguist working with a brazilian amazonian tribe who may well be challenging how we think about the structure of human language, so you know we look at what we do as communicators and and language and and is part of that, and communications is part of that, culture is part of that, and that's where I get interested um, mm-hmm. so these things kind of happen organically, and um, the theme sets it up, and that's what Enlightened self interest is about
1: wow, okay.
2: That's, I mean,
1: God, there's so much to look forward to there. I, I do want to point out that um, I'm actually coming along to the Julie talk and it's my wedding anniversary. Oh, so yes. um, so this is my love for you and things you do. And and also I have bought my wife a ticket, so I'm oh. a very caring
0: husband. If you could get them yes. up on stage just to renew <laughs> yeah. their vows, that would be I have fantastic. To say, yep.
2: <laughs> Special announcement. Yep. Just, no just with a
0: speech bubble above you both saying, yeah. I, I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, She would murder me. Um when we knew that you were coming on there's one thing I wanted to ask you because something that's happening in my life is I'm I'm looking at probably moving out of the city Um, and I wanted to I've been talking to a lot of designers about who have done that um, and just what it's like to be a designer living outside of the big smoke as Christopher Doyle called it Um, and I know you've done that in in probably a bigger way than anyone has done because you literally went to the outback
2: yeah um I decided to leave um, Sachi Design, which, as Chris pointed out, it's um, we had about six people in the team, but it was connected to the agency of about 140 and then connected to a network of about 10,000 people in Sachi's. It was in Sydney, six million people, and I left there as Joint Creative Director to go to Kununara. It's a town of 6,000 people, nearest Urban Hub is a one-hour flight in any direction, nothing much in between, Um, and it's a 10-hour flight from from Sydney. So it was really the extreme opposite of where I'd been for seven years. Um, Everyone that I told at the time that I was doing this, well, not everyone, a lot of people looked at me and thought, you're crazy. What are you doing that for? I mean, this is just nuts. And, um, I guess also you were probably at the, well
1: at that point. You, it was seen that you were at the top of your game and yeah, doing, yeah. Some, doing some major clients
2: and yeah, people were saying, "Why are you going to walk away from Sacha Design doing what you're doing?" And you know, and I just went, "Well, because I'm going to follow my wife because you know I respect that she wants to go and work with Indigenous people in this particular area." So I'm just going to make it work my own way, and I don't know what that's going to be, but mm. I'll try. But what happened was. Um, you, you really you, you discover where your comfort zone is and you discover getting comfortable being uncomfortable if that makes sense um, particularly in the extreme nature of what I did um, f- for me it was important to um, contribute to where I lived so people were saying to me, oh, you're going to go to Kananara, wow, you know, do a really good logo for the fish and chip shop (laughs) (laughs) they
1: they, they do need a good logo actually
2: Yeah, but but for me, I said, well, if that's what I'm going to have to do and that's where I'm going to be living I want to contribute to where I'm living so yes, I will do that, I will do whatever people think my talents or services can help them achieve Um, Just a quick side note, didn't
0: you work on SBS branding while you were there? yes
2: yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> not really the fish and chip shop <laughs> well you know I, I worked on on I did the, the identity refresh for SBS in the back of a house in Kananara and that's all kudos to SBS for saying we're happy to work with you no matter where you live mm. but at the same time I did a, an identity for a local restaurant you know which was the one of five restaurants in town um, and probably one of the two that were upmarket restaurants the other ones were either like a a fish and chip shop and Asian <laughs> sort of takeaway and a fusion. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it, it's, I, I did that. I work with um, local indigenous uh, organizations. Um, I, I worked on small stuff, I worked on larger stuff, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, but wherever you move to, my advice would be engage with where you are and try and work with the people who are there if you can. Um, I think really look at where you're moving and say, be very clear about why you're moving there. Um, and I think take, take a back step from the city. And for me, the distance gave me a lot of perspective. And um, mm. I think also it, it, the byproduct of it is, and maybe because the work that I do in some ways, um, <clears throat> it's made me, this might sound a bit strange, but it's made me feel like a bit of an outsider to the design community. Because I was changed so radically for those three years in in Kananara that um, resources were a problem. I had to really be incredibly resourceful every day. Um, I had to ensure that all the work I was doing could be produced efficiently and economically because of the distance of, of major areas. And also had to work with content that I wasn't familiar working with, which was um, indigenous content. Yeah. So it, it really took me away from what might be the navel-gazing of, of a city community of, of, of design and put me very much in an empathy scenario uh, and also having to find my own feet. And as a result, I remember coming back, uh, we moved to Brisbane, and I went to the Brisbane Agda Awards, they were they were here. And um I went to that room to whom I was a member of the tribe, if you like. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I felt like an alien. I said, I don't belong here. I just and not not because of what they were doing or making me feel I just did not feel like I belonged, which is weird. Um and I spent about three years worrying about that and saying, My God, what's wrong with me? And now I'm at peace with the fact that I'm just sort of doing my own thing and I still really feel part of the design community. Uh, I feel like I'm contributing to it, I want to. Um, But I don't get hung up about it and I just sort of do my own thing and um, where previously that was very difficult for me to, to reconcile. Now I'm at peace with that, I guess. Yeah, well, please,
1: should. please never stop yeah. doing anything, Kevin.
0: <laughs> yeah, it took the words out of my mouth. We're really glad that you did so that we have things like Design Nerd and Geely coming out and Open Manifesto and, and, and things like that. So Would thanks you... very much. I think you're mad. Um, I wouldn't do it. I moved <laughs> 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 I moved to the city and you can't get me out of here. I'm wedged in my rut. Um, yeah. You know, ah. I, was, I was from the coast, down the coast. So, yep. yeah, I'm yep. here, here to stay, at least for the moment. Yep. Now, so. Coming up,
1: we are going to have everything in the show notes, so yep. we're going to have Julie, um, Design Nerd. Um, do you, is there any sort of dates we should be aware of for the Debbie Millman and the Vince Frost
2: Design Nerd stuff that I'm stupidly excited about? <laughs> uh, not at the moment. We're, we're actually just hunting around for uh, a new app developer partner. And Ooh, uh, You heard we- it here first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 we uh, Once once we, we've got that sort of locked in, um, We'll, we'll hopefully start getting stuff out. I've got all the content for the South American um, volume I just need to go through edit a little bit if I need to uh, and uh, we're just finalising stuff with with um, Debbie and and hopefully Vince but again because of capacity I'm I'm sort of focused on the, the GLE event at the moment I can yep. sort of issue 7 of Vote Manifesto and client work <laughs> uh, so don't, don't forget those pesky clients yeah so yeah um, yeah, I I've again come to the, the realization that I can't do everything so I've gotta stage things. But once the Chile event is is sort of um complete and done, we'll be refocusing back on um getting those new volumes out and then hopefully over the next little while developing various aspects around the the, the um app as well.
0: Fantastic. And um, just as to, to kind of take us out, that's probably um, all the time we have tonight. Um, to take us out, where can people find out more about the Geely event, which I think is probably the most pressing pressing thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, You can go to um, designnerd.info um, and all the information is there. Right. Um, uh, or you can just email me if you like. And that's that. Cool. Uh, they can figure it out. They get yep. the
0: dates right, and how and how much is it? Because it's actually really affordable, I think.
2: Yeah, and that was the other side of it. We want to make sure that it was affordable for um, you know, for anyone really. Hopefully, uh, the tickets are forty-five dollars inclusive of GST. That's great. Okay, that's a flat fee. Well, fantastic! Thanks for being on the show, Kevin.
1: Thank you. thank you. I feel like we've come, we've come full circle because I think the last two episodes, people have mentioned you, Kevin, so now we've had you
0: on.
2: <laughs> oh, you never, gosh. You never have
0: to talk about you again. <laughs> yeah, never do. No, I'm boring, dull. <laughs> and for everybody listening, we'd like to thank you for listening uh, to Australian Design Radio. And, Matt, uh, where can people find you after the show? Uh, get me on LinkedIn, get me on um, ADR. Great. And, um, Kevin, where can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find me at thesumof.com.au. You can find me at openmanifesto.net uh, or the design nerd website we just mentioned. And on Twitter, you can get me at um, total design nerd or, very appropriate. <laughs>
0: or uh, open underscore. Manifesto Excellent And uh, you can find me At flinttracy.com, And on Twitter And Instagram Pretty much every, everywhere else At Flynn Tracy You can find this episode And more at AustralianDesignRadio.simplecast.fm And you can follow the show On Twitter and Instagram At AUSDesignRadio if you have any suggestions for topics and guests or questions you'd like to ask on the show or you just want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you, uh, you can email the show. So you can email Matt at matt at or me, Flynn, at designradio.com. That's Flynn with one N. Until then, thanks for listening to Australian Design Radio. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Okay, bonus question time. We completely forgot to ask you to ask our next guest a question, Kevin. Yikes. <laughs> Professional podcasting 101. So, putting you on the spot, kind of. Yeah. Do you have a question for our mystery special guest that's going to be on next week and I th- and what we might do as well we might t- we might tweet this question out and see what see what some of our listeners or some of our new followers might think about the question
2: okay uh it's difficult when you don't know who you're asking the question it to is, it's isn't fun it? Yeah. because it can just be like a random kind of question <laughs> um let me see well let's go to what is your personal project or what is your ideal personal project to pursue Perfect. Very nice. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do that's it. That's kind of like a general. That's a general kind of. Could be anyone.
0: That's and good. And if they we... don't, and if they don't have one, we'll we'll task them with um with coming up with one.
2: Yeah. Well, if they don't have one, so um, is there a reason why they don't? Yeah. 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 Get busy. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Get off your ass. No, because some people wouldn't. But I think, you know, you look at her and say, well, if you don't don't have a personal project, that there might be a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you not believe in them? Do you not have time? Do you think yeah. that your work is, is your personal project as well? Uh, and they might say that.